Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Saturday. This is the 22nd of October, 2022. I hope all my fellow travelers are doing well. Halloween is fast approaching. If you would like to contact me, if you'd like to write an email, have me read it for you on the show, or if you'd like to record your own audio, send it to me and I'll play it for you. The place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. If you go over to my website, which is firearmscafe.com, You'll find buttons for all my social media stuff. There's a donation button if you wanted to support the show financially. If you wanted to support the show but financially isn't in the cards, I'd say share the link to the website, which will give people all uh, access to all the, all the, the uh, previous episodes. Or just send in some feedback, whether it's you making a recommendation or talking about maybe a gun that you have or maybe even uh, a YouTube channel or a, uh, a particular issue that you think is relevant, go ahead and send it in. And again, it doesn't have to be, the feedback doesn't have to pertain to stuff that is just for the last couple of shows. You can, you could go all the way back to the first and say, hey, I, you know, I listened to this old show and thought about this, that, and the other thing. Anyway, I hope to hear from you. Let's do a quick ATF minute that's not quite a minute. And this brings up an interesting, oh, what do we want to say? An interesting ethical, maybe, maybe not even ethical, but it, it gives you some food for thought, I guess. Is a victory a victory, or does it is it only a victory if the the way that it's achieved, everything is super righteous and so well here's and here's what i mean by that and i'll explain it so and, and we'll talk about the case it came out of west virginia and i think it was something like the it was like the usa versus i think the guy's name was randy price if i remember right anyway what had happened is i think he got pulled over on, on some type of a traffic violation like he you know like his his tags were expired or you know had a i think that's what it was i think his tags were expired i don't think it like he was driving erratically or anything like that so anyway during the course of the traffic stop he this guy randy price was i think that's his name was found to be in possession of a firearm and he was what's called a prohibited possessor meaning he's not supposed to have a firearm also the firearm that he had the serial number and this is the 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 term that they used was obliterated so i don't know if that means that it was just partially illegible or the whole thing was taken off anyway he got convicted of these and and on i think on an appeal and i could have the 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 timeline of what happened to this guy or how it happened but I think what happened was that he got convicted on both of these things, which I believe are felony charges. And this, I think, happened back in... Mm, was it 
I think it was 2019, and I think the ruling was 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 sometime in 2022. It was relatively recent. So anyway, then it um, it was from the District Court of West Virginia, and what they were talking about again. So he's a prohibited possessor, and so what his defense team they were saying like, hey, if we look at at what happens with in, in Bruin, we need to look at what is actually constitutional. Are these convictions that he did constitutional? And of course, his his attorneys were saying that both were not. That you, if if you can't be infringed, it doesn't matter if you're a felon. Blah blah blah. And the idea that you that you don't have a number on your gun shouldn't matter. So the what the court found was is that we'll, we'll say sort of like count one. As far as him being a prohibited possessor, they said, well, that is still, we find that that is constitutional. You can be prohibited if you've been found guilty of certain crimes or this, that, and the other thing. Now, whether or not you 100% agree with that, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, is beside the point. We're just talking about kind of this other ruling, which gives us more, I think, a little bit more interesting thing. In that, they said, in looking at the constraints or how we're supposed to do stuff, in a post-Bruin world, the idea that you have to have a serial number, you don't really have to. So it looks like that they granted his motion to dismiss on having a firearm that has a serial number that's been altered, partially or wholly obliterated, or made illegible, that type of stuff. So what that means is is that going forward you would say well why if, if that's the case if this if that has been dismissed do i have to have a, a firearm with a serial number because they say oh if you let's say if you made your own gun and then you were going to sell it or trade it or something like that you would need to go and have it engraved and uh and we're not talking about like nfa items so things like silencers things like Short barrel rifles, which of course I think is nonsense. I don't think any of that stuff should be registered or any any type of record of it at all. If that's the case, in essence what they're saying is, well, it's not necessary for you to have really any type of serial number or even any type of, and I could maybe be reading into this a little bit, but it would seem to indicate that you wouldn't have to have any type of uniquely identifying marks on on the firearm so that if you had a glock you know 17 a gen 4 or something like that and you went you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna take my dremel or i'm gonna take this other stuff and i'm gonna obliterate or remove these identifying numbers you know i don't know i'd love to hear from you guys what do you think now i'm i'm sure that they would they would probably go after you. But because there's been precedent set with this, and I and I don't know. I don't know if maybe if if the if the government uh, or the state, let's say, is going to try and appeal that. I don't know if they will because there's probably bigger things at play instead of just, just this one guy's, you know, getting a dismissal on one count of some stuff that he was charged with. So it will be interesting to see kind of what comes of this. And if that's the case, I suppose, what would it mean for, 
what would it mean for manufacturing? Because I suppose what they could do is they could say, look, we're going to, we'll put serial numbers on our guns. So like, let's say like Glock or Smith & Wesson or HK or whatever is going to say, we'll put serial numbers on our gun or, or Ruger, but it's a thing where you can remove it if you want to. And it's a thing where they, where the, as the manufacturer, they may say, well, but if you remove it, we're not really going to have a way to prove what batch it came from or we're not going to and so if there was ever any type of warranty problem or stuff like that so i don't know really how you would do that because a lot of times people would then say well whatever they said well if there's no serial number but there's like a special you know it had an a on the barrel for barrels that were made in such and such a bad you know i guess there would probably be stuff that where it wouldn't necessarily identify be a uniquely identifying number or series of letters or whatever so you could have barrels that were made in or, or a gun that was manufactured let's say in 2022 you would have a manufacturing mark that but they would all be from that batch right it would just say like 22 and then maybe the month that it was made or something like that so that they would know okay it came off of here so it would be almost like a date but you could have thousands of guns that would be manufactured October of 2022. And so it, it, would, it wouldn't necessarily be a uniquely identifying thing, but it would still allow you as the, as the consumer or the purchaser of the firearm, the ability to take it back to the manufacturer and say, hey, this, you know, this thing went wrong. And then the manufacturer, it gives them some protection too from people Kind of doing unscrupulous things saying well i got you know i had this gun that was older and i just but i just bought it three weeks ago and you know trying to pull a fast one that type of stuff so anyway let me know what you guys think now another sort of interesting oh what do we want to call it an interesting part of that case is we've i've seen a couple of things where it is somebody who is maybe a criminal or or we would maybe deem him not you know the the greatest uh, example of you know, being a stand-up person or a, a good citizen or a good law-abiding person if you you know and I even hesitate to use that term just because there's the law has been turned against us in a lot of cases so where you you know you would and again examples of that are bump stock example of that are the pistol braces, uh, examples of, uh, you know, one day if you owned a 15-inch rifle and, and, and you're fine, the next day, well, now you can go to prison for 10 years. So I, I don't know that necessarily law-abiding means or maybe even should mean what we think it used to mean. You know what I mean? Uh, if I, maybe I can say mean about 15 more times. She was. All right, so, but the idea is some people would probably say, man, I wish it wasn't a criminal type who was, maybe they would look at it like, oh, this guy is sort of skirting the law or avoiding punishment or we're kind of rewarding, rewarding, there we go, criminals for being criminals. And I think I could see how some people would feel that way, but I think that in the overall larger picture, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, 
anything that pushes back laws that we would feel would be unjust, if you're principled about it, instead of positional, and again, we've talked about, you know, uh, principled thinking versus positional thinking. If you were principled about it, and if you would say, well, if this law is unjust or if this law is overreaching, it doesn't matter if the guy who held up a liquor store had a pistol that had uh, the serial number filed off. Because we're saying, well, having a serial number filed off, we shouldn't have that because it's a thing of, it can lead to registration. And we want to do things that don't, that make sure that our, our freedoms are, are protected. And that sometimes that, you know, that when they say freedoms aren't free, that's a lot of times what they're talking about. That freedoms and liberties, they do come at a price. But again, if we go back to saying that this is an unjust law and it would be unjust for the guy that never got a speeding ticket in his life and he just happened to have an old, let's say, World War II firearm that had the serial number scratched off of it because some GI brought it back and then didn't want it to be identified, you know, as, as he, you know, stole it from the army. Why is that guy now going to, again, face 10 years in federal prison for, you know, for just being in possession of something? He didn't do, he didn't do anything wrong. So again, an unjust law is an unjust law and it doesn't matter who you, who you, uh, or, or who's getting sort of charged with it. And you have to look at it from the idea of not that you're losing stuff or that you're losing ability to prosecute people. What it really means is that you're the stuff that when you do prosecute somebody, when you do charge them, when you are looking at taking away their freedoms, taking away their liberties, that it should be a very serious thing and it shouldn't you shouldn't have a whole just grab bag of stuff that you can just hurl at somebody and you can put 50 charges on the guy and he'll plead down you'll drop 49 of them and I talked a while back that when I was a probation officer when somebody would violate their probation a lot of times you had sort of there were there were a couple of different schools of thought and one school of thought was you throw everything in the kitchen sink at them, even if it's kind of iffy or kind of weak, because what that may do is then, if you've got four violations, that gives the prosecutor and it gives the public defender even something to say, well, we'll agree to this if you drop these other three. So let's say if you had four charges. But the other school of thought was, you only charge them for what they did. And I guess there was even a third school of thought, which was just kind of charged like, yeah, I look, like I know he did this, and I know he did that, so I know we were out past curfew, I know that they blah, 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 but we're just going to violate him on, you know, not going to school or, or whatever, you know, part of the terms that they had. We're only going to do it on this one thing. Uh, because I got him dead to rights and it doesn't really matter. And they're going to dismiss these other things anyway. And so there was sort of that. So you had, you had one extreme and then you had another extreme and then you had sort of the middle road which was kind of what I tried to do the majority of the time which was I would do multiple counts but only if that person had done those things so and the reason I did it so let's say if he was out past curfew 
and got caught trying to I don't know let's say like shoplift something and in like a Walmart that's open 24 7 or something like that you would you'd violate him for curfew you'd violate him for committing a crime you'd violate him you know for this that and the other thing uh, but only for the stuff that they did and even if you knew going in that those were going to get kicked out you would say well I'm, I'm doing this to basically show accountability to show this person and their family because I was doing juvenile so to show the kid and the and the parents look if you if you violate a b and c but not d i'm not going to charge you with a b c and d i'm only going to charge you with a b and c sometimes uh, some would say oh you're kind of the parents would feel like maybe you're kind of picking on or piling on but most of them when you would say hey he didn't do such and such i'm not going to throw that on i'm only charging him for what he did uh, again I'm, I'm probably going down a rabbit hole here but a lot of them, they're sort of in the game. They know the rules of the game. They know how it's played. And if they see that you are consistently kind of fair with them, even though you're charging them with stuff, they can. They don't necessarily like you, but they can at least respect you and they sort of know that you're not trying to screw them over, you know, if that makes sense. But anyway, kind of that long way around was... Uh, Again, the thing of we're probably going to get some cases going forward where you're going to have people that aren't good people, that aren't necessarily nice people, that are going to get certain counts dismissed. And on on the surface, you might initially say, oh, that's a bad thing. But the reality is it's a good thing because what that's doing is it's setting a precedent that is ultimately there to protect you and I as the 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 person who is not out there committing crimes meaning and and uh, we're not doing things that are harming others or harming others property or we're or we're defrauding people which so we're not committing acts where there's an actual victim anyway let me know again let me know what you guys think on that so uh, I, I i do think it's an interesting maybe kind of uh philosophical thing about well are we then going to go in and let people out of jail maybe who that's what they got convicted on because they they pled to a lesser gun charge and all the all the prosecutor cared about and the court cared about at the time was getting the guy convicted and maybe getting him locked up for a couple years so i don't know we'll have to we'll have to see on that i think you could make arguments kind of initially but i uh, to support maybe some of that thing some of those things but I feel that in the big picture, getting rid of unjust laws is should be the goal. And getting rid of things where you're a criminal just because the government says you're a criminal doesn't uh, shouldn't be the normal way of operating. And especially if it goes against uh, constitutional things and things in the Bill of Rights and the amendments and all that stuff. So let's kind of take a different path here and I wanted to do maybe kind of a fun uh, exercise and I was thinking about this the other day and I thought you know if I could only have one handgun what would I get what caliber would I get what make would I get why would I choose that particular thing I also, and I also kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe the, the reason is because I can only afford one. I've been saving up and 
I still need to buy ammo. I still need to have a holster. I still need to buy a whole bunch of other stuff. So if I, if I had to maybe start out with one gun, one handgun that I'm going to have for maybe a couple of years until I can save up again to buy all the stuff that I'm going to need that's going to go along with it, you know, what would I get? And the, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe we can do something like this on the show and I'll put a couple of restrictions maybe on it. So let's say that the gun that you're going to pick, you can change the components around a little bit. So you could put in a different trigger. You could put an aftermarket barrel in there, but it has to be the same length barrel. Or if you, you know, you put a, an aftermarket trigger in there, maybe it's something that just smooths it out, but it doesn't really, you know, you don't have like that uh, one pound trigger or something, you know, when you had like a eight or nine pound trigger before, but if you could make it a little bit better, but it still stays in the same thing. Should I tell you what I picked? Should I wait till next time? Maybe, you know what? I think I'll tell you what I picked. And again, if you're hearing this six months from now, from, from the record date, and you wanted to go ahead and jump in, Future Me is giving you the, the A-OK to do that. So don't ever worry about that. Like I said before, if we talk about stuff in the past, and it was an old episode you listened to, and you wanted to comment on that, always feel free to do that. So for me, oh, and the other restriction would be too, is that again, you're going to have to keep it in that caliber. So let's say that if... Uh, there are certain manufacturers out there that you can buy different slides or you can put in different different barrels and that those different barrels are of a different caliber, right? So for me, the manufacturer I picked would be Glock. I would pick a Glock 20. And the reason that I would pick that is because I can stay in that 10 millimeter world so to speak but i have a huge amount of loads that i can that i can choose so kind of like uh, and this is a little bit but kind of like with three if you have a 357 magnum revolver you can shoot 38 specials through it now again that would be going to a different caliber so i would be redoing it but what you could in essence do if you wanted to you could, especially with reloading, you could drop that down to where it's a softer shooter. Of course, it would maybe defeat the purpose of having a Magnum. But again, for me, because you could reload, you're still keeping, you're still staying 10 millimeter. You're still using the same cases. You're still using all the same brass and primers and everything like that. But you can have 10 millimeter loads that will shoot pretty soft. You can have them that will shoot super high. You can have them that are more extreme penetrators, especially if you wanted to use something maybe for bears or for for cougars or or even if you were in country where you're maybe going to run across some boars, that can be pretty aggressive. So I would like to have something like that to where, but but in, and before I say that, but you could also have it for personal defense so you can you can uh, find loads that are very similar to what the police use like and you say some departments maybe still use 40 cal and then you could kind of make the argument well if you look at this it's basically 40 cal it's just you know it's 10 millimeter so i know some people would be worried about using quote a bigger caliber 
uh, for self-defense because of the Harold Fish. But if you really kind of look at that, there was a lot more stuff that was going on with that case. And that was a long time ago. So that's, I think, what I would pick. Also, because even with something like a Glock 20, there are so many aftermarket things, even for the 20, even though that the 20 isn't as popular as the 9mm stuff. There's still tons of holsters. Almost every holster manufacturer out there makes a holster for uh, the 20. There's also a lot of support out there for it, a lot of aftermarket stuff. There's, it's easy to get parts. It's easy to get additional magazines, things of that nature. So anyway, I think that is going to about do it for today. I'd love to hear from you guys. We did get a little bit of feedback, uh, but I need to get in touch with the gentleman and see kind of what parts of certain thing or what he maybe would be willing to talk about that type of stuff on some things that uh, are kind of going back and forth. I know it's a little kind of mysterious, woo! but um, again, and that's another thing too. I want to, if you're sending stuff in, I know sometimes people have sent things in to me in the past and said, Oh, like, Hey Tony, I wanted to talk to you about such and such and such and such, but I don't want any of this out on the air at all. And so also, you know, and I want to, I want to honor those wishes. I also want to keep people's privacy as much as I can. Uh, so if you're ever concerned uh, about maybe somebody uh, kind of identifying you, maybe at a later date or something like that, or or, or uh, just let me know. And like I said, I 100% will honor your wishes and and keep it as private as as you would like. All right, that's it. So again, the place to send that stuff into is Firearms Cafe at ProtonMail.com. All one word, Firearms Cafe at ProtonMail, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. Oh yeah, and I forgot one other thing. If you go over to my other podcast website, which is TheArmedApe.com, the little thing pops up. And it's the free version, and they, they don't seem to have any willingness to kind of get rid of the free version and take it away from me. When you pull it up on your computer or even on your phone, because I tested it, a little thing pops up and says, send a voicemail. You can click on that, and you can send me a voicemail. You are limited to 90 seconds. I would maybe try and time it for around 80 seconds so that you give yourself a little bit of leeway. But that's a super easy way to do that as well. I would move it over to the Firearms Cafe thing, but they the free version only gives you the ability to put it like on one website, that type of thing, or one platform, or however they want to say it. All right, my friends and my fellow travelers, this is it for reals this time. I will talk to you guys next time.